Kate Holiday, Ryan Rivers here. Uh, we are digging into the mysterious, uh, what would you call this? Hijacking, disappearing, hijacking. Uh, story. Yeah. The mysterious story of D.B. Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, on this show, we dig in and dissect all sorts of different stuff. That's why we call it The Lab. Yeah. Send us your ideas at theweeklylab at gmail.com, and uh, we will get your ideas on the air. Yeah, so if you guys don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to last week's episode. Right. Because um, Ryan really broke the history down. I asked a lot of questions because this is a true mystery. Yeah. Never been solved. Um, but you guys can catch that on the part one of our little Unsolved Mysteries series. Uh, you can catch it on iTunes if you didn't get it live on WRMI over shortwave. So you Perfect. can find us there. So I'm going to go over the uh, just the recap here. This is straight from the FBI's website, okay? Okay. All right, so those of you that are just joining us, um, this is just going to spell it out for you. Um, this is straight from the FBI, FBI.gov, on the Dan Cooper, D.B. Cooper hijacking. On the afternoon of November 24, 1971, a nondescript man calling himself Dan Cooper approached the counter of Northwest Orient Airlines in Portland, Oregon. Using cash, he bought a one-way ticket to Seattle for Flight 305, and thus began the great unsolved mystery in the FBI's history. Um, Cooper was a quiet man, appearing to be in his mid-40s, wearing a business suit, and he ordered a bourbon and soda to drink. Mm. They took off at 3.30. He handed the stewardess a note saying that he had a bomb. She didn't believe him, was a little hesitant. He uh, opened up the briefcase, letting her peek inside. I'm paraphrasing now. They didn't say this exactly. He flashed her (laughs) with the the briefcase. Um, She quickly saw red-colored sticks and wires everywhere. She said, what do you want? And he said, I want $200,000 in negotiable cash. Which, yeah, makes no sense to me. And four parachutes. When they landed in Seattle... <laughs> I thought you were going to say pairs of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> when they landed in Seattle, he exchanged the uh, 36 passengers for the money in the chutes. Mm-hmm. And he took off again, ordering the captain to fly a very specific uh, way, I guess you could call it, in a very specific manner to Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he didn't have enough fuel. They debated for a while. He decided that he would uh, stop to refuel in Reno. Mm-hmm. However... When the pilots landed safely, Cooper had disappeared in the night, and to this day, his fate remains unknown. Never to be seen again, or has he? Maybe. So we talked last time. He, uh, One of the parachutes that the FBI gave him was a dummy chute. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. He took that chute with him and an old military chute mm-hmm. instead of the new steerable chutes. That right, which most I... people would say, I would just use that one. Right, Otherwise, I you're would. at the mercy of what the wind does to you. Mm-hmm. So why did he take the old military chute? Some people think it's because he was in the military himself. Maybe he was a para-jumper, paratrooper, whatever they call them. People. Paratrooper, yeah. Um, and while he was flying, he was talking to the flight crew while they were circling over Seattle, and he was pointing out the nearest military bases. For what? Just randomly? Like identifying the area while they were circling, waiting to land in Seattle. So mm-hmm. um, what is that base up there? Uh, McCord, is that the one outside of Seattle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he pointed at that one, and then along the uh, route, he was talking about uh, other air bases stretched throughout Washington, um, Oregon, that whole thing. He was so talking just, about where the nearest ones were. But, like, in what t- context? Like, was he just shooting the breeze with them? Basically, he, the way they took it was he was just, like, showing... Um, yeah, making conversation. Like, he hmm. was, like, talking about the uh, the geographical region. Like, oh, there's so-and-so. That's this town here. That's That's just weird. I feel like that. it's odd that he was so casual about it. 
that's the other thing. They said that at no point did he look like he was distressed. He didn't try to panic anybody. It's almost like he had done this before. Hmm. Or that he was not afraid that he was about to jump out of an airplane at night wearing yeah. a business suit. After committing a huge crime. It's well, like essentially holding the passengers hostage and using them as leverage to get money and parachutes. Like, if that was me and I came up with such a diabolical plan, I'd be pooping my pants. Because yeah. I've never jumped out of a plane before. I've never skydived. I've never stolen anything like that. Like, never come up with a plan. So I would be extremely nervous. Like, I'd probably be able to hide it okay, but I think people would be able to tell that I'd never done that before. So that, to me, is a red flag. Well, either way, um, red flag or not, mm-hmm. you know, this, this guy did the unthinkable. Yeah. So some people think that he was in the military because of that. Mm-hmm. And... Some people have made the assumption that maybe he was part of, like, the CIA because of his actions. And I'm going to go through just a few of them. So but for what reason? Well, for one, the only trace that he even left on the plane was, um, and this right here is kind of like a, you know, facepalm moment. <laughs> the cup that he drank out of, of course, would have kept would have had his DNA on it. Mm-hmm. The flight attendant collected it before they landed, mm-hmm. and it got mixed in with all the others. Oh, great. Now, why you couldn't go back and get those 36 people that were on the plane, test their DNA, and see which cup didn't match, I don't know, but apparently they didn't do that. They did not have a good recall system back then. He left eight cigarette butts in an ashtray, and he left his tie. So he took his tie off at some point. I did read about that. So, that's what he left behind. But what he took with him, the dummy parachute. Yeah. Supposedly... He was using that to stash some of the cash in so that it wouldn't be too much weight on one side of him or something. Who knows? Well, I mean, if he has experience using a military chute, you probably know your weight and balance for it. So that yeah. seems very strategic as well, I guess. Another reason people Not think surprising. that he was part of uh, some type of you know, covert spy operation was his uh, great knowledge of how to configure the aircraft. Right, that's what I was saying on the last episode. Like that, I would have no knowledge of that. Fifteen degrees of flaps. Mm-hmm. Gear um, down. Gear down. Don't uh, turn any lights on. Remember, he had the shutters pulled so snipers couldn't get him. Yeah. Told him not to exceed 115 mile an hour, but he gave it to him in knots. Mm-hmm. Don't um, fly above 10,000. Air, uh, yeah, cabin depressurized, all that stuff. He was able to identify the military bases in the area. Mm-hmm. His demeanor. At n- no time did he try to make anybody panic. Mm-hmm. He had sunglasses on at night. So that they couldn't see his eyes. This to this day, they don't know what his eye color is. And this is before that song came out. What song is that? I wear my sunglasses at night. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like he was trying to follow a trend. And he left virtually no evidence. Except, I mean, he even took the note with him that he wrote to the... So they couldn't find his handwriting, probably? Maybe, but they got his name Dan Cooper on his ticket. Is that his name? Um, yeah, right? No missing persons report has ever been filed for anybody matching his description in that area. Or that name, I guess. I'm or that assuming. name. So mm-hmm. was he even from that area? I heard some theories where people think he's a foreigner. Like from a different country. Well, that was the other thing. Asking for money in a negotiable currency. Mm-hmm. Was he going to take it back across the Canadian border where they use... I don't know. What do they use up there? Canadian doll hairs. Canadian doll hairs? I don't know. Um, or he was from here, but he was going to go somewhere out of the country. Yeah. And he just needed to make it easier on himself because he'd never been there. Now, here's the kicker. Okay. As if there hasn't been so many already. (laughs) He chose this flight maybe for the aircraft that was used. We mentioned that because it has a staircase that comes down to the back. Mm -hmm. 
The CIA used this very method of dropping their spies into foreign countries in those types of aircraft, posing as airliners. Hmm. The aft stairs would be lowered, mm-hmm. and they would walk right down the staircase and parachute out. Did he just know about that and he did it, or has he done it before? I don't know. Did, My... he, did he really jump north of Portland, or did he do it in the desert where he had a better chance to live? I think he probably waited. I mean, I don't know if we're getting into our theories yet, but I think he probably waited. Because, yeah. like I said, the jostling of the aircraft that we talked about last week could have been a number of things. Yeah. Because it wasn't pressurized. The back door was open. So, I mean, and they're below 10,000. What if a bird flew into it? I don't know. What if? I, I yeah. What if? I don't know. They did find a placard from the wall. Like, you know, like a little, like a sticker, basically. Okay. They did find a sticker from the wall of the airplane in the landing site um, where, they, where they felt the jostle. Mm-hmm. But you got to think a sticker wouldn't... Jostle an aircraft. Well, not only that, I'm saying it wouldn't float for like a long way. Like, I don't think it would be at the mercy of um, the elements, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like that thing's going to catch a lot of wind and just keep going and going and going. Yeah. Like, I feel like that thing is small enough that it would just kind of doot, 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 just fall gracefully to the ground. Mm-hmm. Was that the only thing from the aircraft that they found? Yep. See, that's odd, too. They didn't find a parachute stuck in trees. They didn't find a shoe buried in the mud anywhere. Like His ripped business suit, his loafers. Nothing. Like Sunglasses money? fell off his face. The yeah. only money they found was the stuff that was buried well after the hijacking almost a decade later. That doesn't make any sense other than the thing that you were saying, how he maybe did it to throw him off their trail. I don't know, man. But did he, like you said, know about the CIA using that kind of aircraft for that stuff, specifically so that people would think he's part of the CIA? But if he was, what does that have to do with hijacking a plane? Like, why would somebody from the CIA do that? The CIA has done a lot of crazy crap. I mean, I think that's an entire episode in itself. That's an entire series. Well, that's true. And we did kind of talk about it, like, when we were doing our near-death experiences, like getting into government secrets that have been exposed. Um, We kind of got onto the Unsolved Mystery track, which maybe this will allude to some of those, but... Dude, I would not put it past the CIA to do something like that, even if they were, like, testing the FBI's responses to this. Yeah, I was going to say, because I feel like those two are, like, neck and neck for what they do, and maybe they're, like, competing. Like, oh, how good are you? Can you solve this mystery? In a constant. Do you think the CIA, to this day, if that was the case, they're like, eh, you guys suck. Like, you still haven't solved this. Probably. Yeah. Because the FBI did close the case after a a long time of trying to put evidence together, and they were basically like, we're wasting resources on this. Like, it's a done deal. Just, we're over it. But I did read, too, that to this day... They're willing to look into any evidence that is, like... Legit? Yeah. Mm. That, like, they're willing to open it again if somebody comes to them with, like, legit evidence. But we were doing a... Oh, excuse me. You're going to yawn, huh? This story is so boring, it's putting you to sleep. No. I'm just talking a lot, so I'm not breathing as much. I need more oxygen. Oh, know? okay. Um, we were talking about how old he would be now, if that was the case. If somebody was like, oh, my God, I saw D.B. Cooper walking down the road. Like, call yeah. the FBI. He'd be, like, 100-plus. Because he was like 30 or 40 at the time? Yeah, if he was, let's just say he was 40 in 1970. Let's do it. 1970 was 30 years from 2000. 2000. And then add 21 to that. So that's a lot. That's 51. So he would literally be 91 years old. Yeah, if their assumptions are correct about his age. Right. Now, did you see any of the sketches online? Um, I've seen a few of them. Um, Yeah, but 
it doesn't really do anything for me because it's a dude wearing sunglasses and a suit. Like, everybody looked like that back then. Right. He looks like he's part of the Rat Pack or you know. something. That could be anybody. Like, I mean, this, I'm I'm just looking at one right now, but I mean, he just looks like he could be crafty. Mm-hmm. He, like, from the sketches to me and being part of the military and knowing military stuff, and um, he doesn't look like a guy that was involved in the military. He looks more like a CIA agent. Well... <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. Um, what do you, what do you think happened? Like, what's your theory? Do you think he made it? Do you think he jumped in the forest of the Pacific Northwest? Do you think he jumped in the desert? Do you think he died? I think he, uh, I think he lived, because I think with especially technology today, mm-hmm. um, like plastic doesn't disintegrate. It takes hundreds of years. You yeah. would find. A parachute. Parachute. You would find the cord. You would find the crap that he was carrying. His briefcase. Like you would find that stuff somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and if so many died. people beyond the federal investigation have like just you know the same people that chase Sasquatch around in the woods. Like these people that are trying <laughs> to solve these cases. You know, mm-hmm. getting that reward money is like another huge incentive for all these people. It's like the 49ers that thought they were going to strike gold in California. Like everybody dropped what they were doing to try to get that reward, and they're yeah. looking for this guy. Yeah. No trace has ever been found of him. I don't think he jumped up in the Pacific Northwest. I think he was smarter than that. Yeah. I think he waited until he got to the high desert where he had a better chance of surviving. Yeah. And I I think that's what he did. Because he even mentioned, like, the cities that he wanted to re- refuel at or whatever, they were, like, kind of desert uh, areas as well. Which makes me think that that's, like, what his intention was. Yeah, he was just trying to up his chances. You know? Yeah, from going from such a dense area for like forests and everything like that that would make a lot more sense i think he survived i think he made it out to the desert i think he survived um and then after that who knows what happened to him if he was working for some agency Mm -hmm. then that would make his case a lot easier to dismiss as you're never going to find him yeah he had to do it on his own i have no idea how he could get out of the desert by himself Maybe he was like a seer expert, survival evasion resistance escape dude for the military. Maybe. Um, I, I Maybe he trained you gotta somewhere. Be, you got to be fairly confident to jump out at night in a business suit. That's true. Like, I mean, James Bond did it all the time. Well, I mean, but... he could have asked for boots. He could have asked for a coat. Some water if he was going to jump in the desert. Literally you know? anything. But instead, he was like, nah, this is all I need, dog. And yeah, then... and having such a calm demeanor, like he's got to be part of something or was part of something that set him up for success because nobody who has no experience doing any of that stuff wouldn't have been like I said last episode pooping their bridges because there would have had to be so much planning unless he planted stuff where he jumped yeah because he knew he was going to ask for that direct trajectory to Mexico City and he was like okay I'm going to drive out here in the desert and I'm going to put this pack here and it's got water it's got trainers it's got shorts tank tops you know because you're in the desert <laughs> I don't know. right and that's the thing like i don't feel like there's any way that you can close this because let's just say worst case scenario he leapt from the stairs and he didn't have a clue what he was doing he didn't know even know how to activate his chute mm-hmm. so he slaps mean. into the ground yeah and it kills him on the spot people would find him if they didn't if they didn't i mean how did the money get buried along the river like you know what i mean there's there, so yeah, there's many, no way there's there's no way that you can just put an end to it. Because if he, too, if he jumped into the woods, like people thought he did based on what the like airline crew said when they felt that jostle of the plane, the parachute would have ripped, the duffel bag would have ripped, money would have just been like, like everywhere. And 
Yeah, exactly. And then who's going to find the guy and not want to go claim the reward from the feds? Right. Like, give me my million dollars. I found your guy. Yeah. Or if you're like, I don't want to turn it in. I just want to keep this money. You can't spend it because it's been all over the news. If you right. see Everybody these bills, you're getting numbers. arrested. Like, For sure. So, like, what do you do? Oh, I got $180,000 in cash, but I can't spend it. I'm going to put it under my mattress. Like, I'm rich. No, you can't spend it, bro. Yeah. Like, you could maybe take it to well, you Canada. Didn't. You can't take it anywhere because even if you went to, like, Burger King and they don't, like, search for it. Mm-hmm. That money's going to get deposited at their bank, and they're going to be like, oh, DB's money. Where'd this come from? A yeah. local Burger King in Reno, Nevada. Like, yeah. none of that money's ever shown up. I don't know. I mean, even back in the 70s, I feel like there was enough. Um, obviously, technology is way better nowadays, but the FBI and the CIA existed back then. Yeah. And were, they have smart enough people and tactics and things to find somebody if they ever spent that money. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say. I don't know. I think I. What do you uh, think? I think that there's two options. I think if he jumped in the woods, he died, which doesn't make any sense because he absolutely would have been found. That money would have been found, all that kind of stuff. There's no way that stuff would have gotten buried. So that's kind of just some like, mm-hmm. I feel like you can just say that's not a thing. I think he jumped in the desert mm-hmm. and I think he definitely had some type of background. I, I would say it was more military than CIA, but like you said, that, organization's been known to do some sketchy stuff anyways Mm -hmm. so it's either i would say it's some kind of federal group that he was part of or previously trained by yeah and he got away with it and i have a feeling dan cooper's not his real name yeah yeah i don't think so either there's no way well i think like in there's no missing persons report right even describing anybody like that in that area. I wonder if you did a Google search on like missing persons reports around that same time. Like, did he have family? Because was, was he from Florida and he like drove all the way there to do this crime? Uh, yeah, I mean, because if he didn't have any family, who's going to report him missing? Because nobody would even know he's missing. True. You know, like maybe he was just a really aloof guy and he was an introvert and didn't really have any friends. And they were like, "Oh, hey, I haven't heard from freaking Jack in a while." Sounds like me. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if I I disappeared how long it would take for people, not my family, to report me missing. Well, my job, that can't work. Take that out of the picture. Take that out of the picture, huh? Let's say we're retired. Yeah. And your family, let's just say they don't exist (laughs) for some reason. All right. Somebody would have to know I wasn't there. You would think so. But maybe maybe not. I, I don't know, honestly. Probably bills would go to collections, and then the collections agency would get a warrant. Those for are the me. first people that would know that you probably weren't there. And then, like the cops would come to my door to serve a warrant, and then they find me gone. Gone. They find me. I turned up missing. Turned up missing. Yep. Can you do that? Coops on the move. Um, just to I think we got about ten minutes left, so I'm just gonna go through like a couple of these people that either, like I said in the last episode, either said that, hey, I'm that guy, or like their family or somebody turned them in saying, yeah, I think, <laughs> Coop. Um, wow. I told you, he's, he's recovering from surgery or a little pit bull here. He's so. just so sleepy all So the he time. gets a pass for the noise in the background today. I suppose. Um, so the first person to ever claim to be D.B. Cooper was a guy named Jack Caulfelt. Hmm. In 1972, this guy came out and said, yep, that's me. Um, he was a con man with a long criminal history. Um, he was confirmed to have suffered injuries around the time of the D.B. Cooper hijacking. However, however, the FBI found many inconsistencies with his story, so they just eliminated him. Uh. They said, yeah, you're not that. But um, he did peddle his story to major TV networks who ultimately refused to give him a platform. Hey. So 
He, I mean, he suffered some injuries that could have been alluded to jumping out of a plane and, like, crashing into a bunch of trees, but they were like, nah. Yeah, but, I mean, I could be cleaning my gutters and, like, break both my ankles and be like, oh, I hijacked an airplane and that's what happened to me. It's true. Yeah, just because yeah. I want people to pay me for my interview. Mm-hmm. Well, here's an interesting one. This guy named Kenneth Christensen, who had been a paratrooper mm. and then a mechanic and a flight attendant for Northwest Orient Airlines. I've heard about this guy. Have you? Yeah. So this is the airlines that D.B. Cooper booked the flight for. Um, this is the guy that like bought a house for 200k with cash. Supposedly. Supposedly. So he people say that he also resembled the composite sketch of the hijacker from like the air crew's description yeah. of him. A few months later, after the hijacking, he supposedly purchased a house with cash. But in 2003, his brother Lyle saw a documentary on the Cooper case and became convinced that his brother was the person. Um, wow, you would go forward and turn your brother in? Well. The FBI said they didn't see enough evidence to investigate his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, his brother tried to capitalize on it, apparently, and tried to sell the story of his brother being D.B. Cooper to some mm-hmm. filmmaker. Right. Um, but unknown to Lyle, who's the suspected D.B. Cooper guy's um, brother, it he didn't know about it, but his brother didn't actually buy the house in cash. Like, that was just a story that came out. Hey. So I don't know if his brother told him that. I honestly have no idea. Um, Interesting. But it was just another one of those things that the FBI was like, nah. Um, let's see. Who else? There's a lot of other people here. There's a total of 11 that I found a list of. Um, what Anybody about by the last name of McCoy? McCoy. Um, let me see. Scrolling. Yes. Okay. Richard what, McCoy. What's his story? He was an actual hijacker. Okay. In April of 1972, he commandeered a United Airlines flight with a hand grenade and demanded half a million dollars and four parachutes. All right. Sketchy. After a stop for the cash, the plane took off and McCoy donned a flight suit and jumped out of the plane over Utah. Ooh. Hearing the news, one of McCoy's friends alerted authorities that he had bragged about having a foolproof hijacking plan. McCoy, a helicopter pilot, skydiver, and veteran... So that's a lot of red flags. Submitted a handwriting sample that matched the notes used by the hijacker, and he was convicted and sentenced to 45 years in prison. Was he D.B. Cooper? Well, let's see. Two years later, McCoy escaped. From prison? Yep, from Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary. Uh, He was killed in a shootout three months after he got out with police. Oh, wow. What a way to go out. And it says, uh, this article that I'm reading, it says, Was McCoy a copycat hijacker, or was he also D.B. Cooper? FBI agents Bernie Rhodes and Russell P. Calamy wrote a book titled D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy, in which they present their theory that the two hijackers were the same man. So those people work for FBI, and they think that it was the same guy. Well, now that makes me sad. That means that D.B. Cooper, like, part, I, I know he's a criminal, but part of me at this point makes me, like, wish, like... He's a bad A. If he pulled, like, if he pulled that off, like, mm-hmm. and he hid for... Not even hit. If he pulled that off and got away, you didn't hurt anybody. Obviously, you robbed a bunch of money, but... But, like, I don't know. as far as crimes go, like, you didn't kill anybody. You didn't hurt anybody in the process, except for yourself, maybe, when you jumped out of the plane. Yeah, but then you'd have to justify it for other criminals, and I can't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think it has to do with aircraft. That's why you're like, oh, this is so badass. I'm like, just this like, guy's if awesome. this guy pulled it off and he got away with it, what a terrible fate to end, like, you know? You get shot at. You get, you're in a shootout with cops. Yeah. You shouldn't have done that. No. Yeah. But that yeah. guy, I mean, if it was D.B. Cooper, who's McCoy also, I mean, he did serve 45 years in prison. Well. And then ultimately died for his crimes, so. Well, he escaped. He did. So that's he a crime serve, all in itself. He didn't serve 45 years. That's true. It doesn't say when he actually escaped. So. All right, good. 
I don't know. Um, and then I'll just go over this one real quick because this is interesting. It's got a couple links. Walter R. Recca. All you right. heard of this guy? Mm, okay. He was a paratrooper and also claimed that he'd been a spy. Ooh. So Espionage. Um, someone published a book about it. Um, it was called uh, D.B. Cooper and Me, A Criminal, A Spy, and My Best Friend. Um, this person, Walter R. Recca, admitted to the person writing the book um, that he was the missing hijacker, and he supposedly taped a confession several years before he died and swore to the person writing that book to keep his secret until after his death. Mm, yeah. So, um, in those mm. years, the person writing the book never considered taking the story to the FBI. Agents, um, and then it talks about the money that was found. Um, but yeah, case of D.B. Cooper is the only unsolved case of airline hijacking. Yeah. While the case is officially terminated by the FBI, they are willing to examine any concrete evidence towards solving the mystery. However, just, quote, knowing that someone must have been Cooper is not what they consider concrete evidence. It's very possible that we may never know who jumped out of the plane in 1971. Hmm. Or if he survived. Now, my thoughts are these people that claim to have been Cooper, I think you can dismiss them. Yeah, because why would you come out and say it? Right. Like, you went through all that crap. There's no way you're going to go brag about it, no, in my opinion. Like, if that was me and somebody was like, dude, was, is that you? Are you Cooper? I'd be like, yeah. get out of here. No. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Like, there's no way I'd be like, yeah, bro, it was me. And well, and the way that guy was, according to the, the eyewitnesses, like his mannerisms and his demeanor, that that's not somebody who would go around bragging about it. Like, that's yeah. somebody who is extremely well thought out with that plan. Hmm. We'll never know. We'll never know. But yeah. maybe, maybe one of our listeners has a theory or knows D.B. Cooper. Yeah, tell them uh, what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So um, if you have any theories, let us know. Do you think he made it? Do you think he died? Do you think he jumped in the Pacific Northwest, in the desert? Also, I'm curious, what did he do with the money? Yeah, if it like hasn't if, been spent. If he made it, like, and you can't spend it because you know all the serial numbers are out there, what do you think he did with the money? If you guys have any theories of your no- own for this unsolved mystery, send us an email at theweeklylab at gmail.com. And uh, I think we're going to continue on with this Unsolved Mystery um, theme for a little bit for the next series we're doing. So if you guys want us to cover an Unsolved Mystery that you're interested in, I've got a couple written down. I don't know if you have any, but um, I've got a couple in the bank. So if you guys have any ideas, send them our way. And we're going to be back next week with another Unsolved Mystery here on The Lab. <laughs>